Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What makes Mike Florio the expert? You're about to find out. This is Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio on NBC Sports Radio. Wednesday edition Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Apologies to our friends in the UK and in Ireland. We are temporarily off of Sky Sports. But sources close to me tell me we may be back as soon as Monday, March 30. So we'll be able to properly greet our friends over there who have been missing the program the past couple of weeks. Chris Sims working from home. Mike Florio always working from home. Um, and, you know, it's funny. You've, you've given me a hard time in the past about not living in Connecticut. I have never been happier to live in West Virginia than now because I'm. it's not hard to social distance when you live in West Virginia. Uh, and you're out in kind of the middle of nowhere. Well, I, you know, I know it seems weird, and I'm only like 30 miles north of New York City, but I'm as about it out in the middle of nowhere as you can get for being a suburb of New York City. You know, as you know, I got chickens right out the door here. They're clucking. I got my dog next to me. You know, the good thing is uh, we got a, a good piece of property here and some space, too, to where my kids can go out, run around. We can have a good time and uh, keep the proper distancing from everybody. The one thing I love about this, okay, I will say this. I do feel like families are uniting more right now. That's one thing I'll say. I see more moms and dads and kids and dogs going out for walks, you know, husbands and wives doing running workouts on the street together. You know, and I think those things are really encouraging for our society. I mean, we are a society that's always on the move. Go, go, go. You know, social media, social media. And I hope everybody's taking a chance kind of just to get to know their family and, and enjoy kind of being around one another. I know times are hard for a lot of people, but uh, I think that's one positive I've taken away from this little break so far. Yeah, for some of us, it may not be a good thing if our families get to know us, though. It could go either way. 
sure that. I, I'm in here with a 13 and nine year old. I've definitely thrown out a few four letter words at them lately to say, you know, shut the hell up or I'm sick of hearing you. <laughs> yeah, that's not the four letter word I'm concerned about you saying. Hell, not worried about that at all. It's a, it's another one that you're prone to let fly. Did you say your dog is in the room with you and not making a sound? It, it, I got a black sable German shepherd who is so smart and so good. Yes, he's sitting here right by me on the floor and just waiting for somebody to go out and have some fun. <laughs> All right. Well, I need to figure out what the dog's trigger words are and say them very loudly to get the dog to start barking during the show. Uh, I'll do a little research on that. And maybe we'll do that tomorrow. All right. For today, the news is Cam Newton released by the Carolina Panthers. We knew it was coming. They tried to trade him. They weren't going to trade him. It wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to happen. Uh, with the COVID-19 procedures, the inability to conduct a physical at a team facility, too many issues between the ankle and the foot and the shoulder. And Cam, what are you doing? Look, I, I just have to say this. I, I, I love Cam Newton as a player. I love him as an entertainer as an, and an icon. He described himself as that in 2011. But I don't get this crazy messed up font and all of these symbols and umlauts and tildes and accents over every letter. There's nothing appealing about it. If you're watching on NBCSN, good luck deciphering what Cam Newton is saying there. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's like hieroglyphics. And what well, I don't even know some of, those, <laughs> some of those things you just said. What do you say? Umphas and what these? I don't even Umlaut. know that. I'm very good Umlaut. in English. Umblobs of whatever. Yeah, I, I'm lucky I know what a comma and apostrophe are and where they go. So uh, that's no, way beyond. Sure. I know, I, I'll agree that you know what they are. I'm not willing to stipulate that you know where they go. No, I, I would not either. I wouldn't trust it. I wouldn't put money on <laughs> it. All right. So basically what he said in that, in that uh, hieroglyphics uh, that we shared with you, he's free and he's hungry. And recently we heard from him saying all he's looking for is a commitment. Well, he's going to get one from somebody other than the Panthers. So let's play a little word association with various teams that maybe possibly could be thinking about Cam Newton. Let's start with this one. Cam Newton going to the L.A. Chargers would be what, Chris? Perfect to me. I mean, that, that to me is the perfect fit. You know, from all aspects, business, on the field, there's nothing I don't like about that marriage. Now, listen, maybe the Chargers know something I don't. Maybe they know Cam Newton wants $30 million a year. I, I don't know. I don't know those nuances, but I just look at the Chargers with lack of notoriety there in L.A. compared to the other team. Here's a chance where the Rams are, you know, kind of retooling. Todd Gurley's not there anymore. Guys are kind of, you know, they're retooling their team right now. There's a chance to kind of take over a little bit. And you got a, a, a legit top five defense with some superstars there. And you're improving your offensive line. And a guy like Cam Newton, not only going to sell tickets and billboards and everything like that, but, you know, like I said, the Tom Brady factor, he's going to make them feel like they're a contender to be a, 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 an AFC, you know, AFC championship type football team the second he walks in the locker room if he's healthy and everything checks out that way. So that's where I look at it and, and kind of love that fit. And let's talk about L.A. The Rams have Jared Goff. If the Chargers would get Cam Newton and he was healthy, isn't that no-brainer he's the better quarterback? Uh, yes. For, for me, it is. Yes. I, I mean, you know my thoughts on Jared Goff. I, you know, solid quarterback. Do I think he's in the top half of the league as quarterback? 
Absolutely not. I think Jared Goff is somewhere between 17 and 20 or 22, somewhere in that range. Cam Newton, when healthy, is a top 10 quarterback. There's no doubt about it. He's a game changer, not only for his own team, but like we talked about in the first hour, he changes how defenses have to play you because of his interesting skill set. And that's where, you know, he fits Anthony Lynn, who's an ex-running back and a running back coach. They can play ball control. They got some big targets at receiver with Williams and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. To me, there's just a lot of things that make sense with Cam Newton and the Chargers. The challenge for the Chargers is when do they move? Do they move now and do they hinge the contract on him passing a physical that would be administered by team doctors later? And then if he fails that physical, you just rip it up and he moves on elsewhere. Or do you wait to have a proper physical or do you just take the the leap of faith? Do you have a, a neutral outside doctor administer a physical and you sign him and you pay him and you just hope it works out? These are challenges that the Chargers are going to have to resolve because if they wait, another team could swoop in. So let's move on to the next team. Cam Newton going to the Patriots would be what, Chris? Very interesting. I, that's where, I mean, I, I would love to see it. That would be, I mean, amazing. Cam Newton replaces Tom Brady. And, you know, of course, they're going to change the offense if that's the case to where, yeah, they're going to make it suit Cam Newton and his skill set a little bit. You know, so it would be fun to, for one to watch Belichick and McDaniel's kind of reorganize and reorchestrate their offensive attack, but then to see Cam Newton, who I think is one of those guys who probably could go into New England and not be intimidated by like, oh, I'm replacing the great Tom Brady and having to deal with that. I think he could handle that type of pressure. It would be interesting. I don't know if it's realistic, but I do think if there's a team who needed to conform to a guy like Cam Newton, New England could definitely do it. You know, they tell me that they're working on a game of PFT bingo where the squares are the things that you and I like to say over and over and over again. And one of my squares, I'm told, will be Cam Newton is 2-0 and all-time against the Patriots. He is 2-0 and all-time against the Patriots. And we've seen the Patriots become paralyzed defensively when that play that's been designed by Bill Belichick to work against an offense breaks down and it becomes backyard football, that's when they can't stop a mobile quarterback because they don't have the athletes to chase a Cam Newton down once he starts to improvise. And that's the key, and that's why they should be interested in a Cam Newton. Now, will Cam Newton be willing to leave his wardrobe at home and not, you know, be as individualistic and creative and different? Or, or will Bill Belichick just say, fine, you want, you want to be a free spirit, you want to be your own guy? We will relax it some like we did with Rob Gronkowski. That would be an interesting culture clash between the way the Patriots do things and the way Cam Newton does things. But yeah, and, and this is why the Chargers should move quickly because the longer Bill Belichick has to let this percolate and he looks at Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer and he goes back and watches film of what Cam Newton has done against the Patriots and against other teams when he's healthy, man, at some point, I'd become very intrigued by the possibility of Cam Newton to the Patriots, Chris. All right, let's move on to the next one. I want to get them all in. Cam Newton going to Washington, where he'd be reunited with his only NFL head coach ever, Ron Rivera. That would be what, Chris? Weird. I just think weird right now with the current state at the, the Washington Redskins. I mean, hey, Dwayne Haskins, he's a top 20 pick. You know, Kyle Allen's there. You know, Kyle Allen, the same guy who were at one point last year, people were trying to tell me that, 
Oh, the Carolina Panthers are better with Kyle Allen than Cam Newton. Yeah, bull crap they were. Okay, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> uh, but but I just I, yeah I just don't think that is a good. I just don't see it being a good fit for really either guy. Uh, I don't, and and I'm not so sure Ron Rivera you know wants to deal with that. Maybe he wants to build something new here in Washington altogether. I'm sure he's got great respect for Cam Newton, but uh, I, I think right now you got to go with what the assets you got. And you got to see what Dwayne Haskins is as a quarterback first before you, you try to find somebody to replace him. Yeah, I think to answer this one, I say it would be exhausting, specifically for Ron Rivera. I've detected a fatigue among Panthers fans and among media about just when is he going to be healthy? When is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to take a hit? Is he going to be able to keep going? What is it going to be this offseason that we're trying to overcome? And I think Ron Rivera, and I think one of the reasons he brought Kyle Allen with him and did that trade Having Kyle Allen, even though it didn't make the team better, it removed from that pile of stuff you have to worry about your quarterback getting injured and your quarterback's health and the constant questions. And I think from Ron Rivera's standpoint, having to constantly deal with the media questions about Cam Newton, I think from regardless of how he feels about the player, I think he's happy to put that bag down for good. And I don't think he'd want it. And I don't think Cam would want it. I, you know, Cam's going to want to go to a place where he thinks he's going to be able to win. And there are better options, frankly, right now than Washington if his goal right. is to try to win. All right, the next one. And this is one I thought of yesterday. Cam Newton going to the Miami Dolphins would be what? I don't think smart for the Miami Dolphins right now. I think that Miami Dolphins, first off with Shan Gailey, I'm not so sure he could adapt to uh, an offense around Cam Newton. And I think more with the Miami Dolphins right now, you're trying to build something for the future. And, you know, again, Cam Newton, I just, we don't know how long, you know, he's going to play. Is a team going to sign him to a one, two year type contract? To me, if I'm the Miami Dolphins right now, I'm trying to build something that can be, you know, build it with a quarterback that I see really fits the way Brian Flores, I think, wants to coach his football team and wants to play offensive football. And I just don't see Cam Newton being that fit. I think it would be cool to see him stay on South Beach and everything like that. But one, I don't think Cam Newton wants to go to a team like Miami that's kind of in the rebuild mode, like you're saying. And two, I don't know if I think it's necessarily the right move for the Miami Dolphins right now to go that direction. I love the market for Cam Newton. I love the idea of him being in Miami. And Brian Flores was there in New England when he saw Cam Newton. And you can go ahead and put it on the bingo card again. Went 2-0 and against the New England Patriots. <laughs> and, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is their starter right now. And we've seen this kind of aggressive all-in. You know, you say they're rebuilding. Why are you signing 10 free agents right out of the gates when it costs more that week, the first week of free agency, than it would at any other time? I, I think well, that the Dolphins are not going to sit around and wait. And I think the longer Cam Newton is available, the more intrigued Brian Flores is going to be by the possibility. And I think it is a sneaky, strong possibility because they want to play, they want to win. And, oh, by the way, Cam Newton, if he can function against Bill Belichick's defense, why wouldn't you want him on your team? You're facing Bill Belichick's defense twice a year. Well, those are good points, Mike. You, you make a lot of good points. You're right about that. You know, the one thing that I'll say kind of dawned on me as I was listening to you there, too. If you are the Miami Dolphins, and I'm sure that their front, front office personnel has watched all the quarterbacks, I'm sure the coaches are kind of, just getting through all that type of stuff right now. If you came away 
not blown away by any of the quarterbacks that you think, ooh, I thought this guy could be my franchise in the future, whether that's Herbert or Jordan Love or Tua. If you come away going uh, being underwhelmed by that group, then maybe Cam Newton is the play. And, you know, maybe you, 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 you just reevaluate the quarterback position when that time comes and you realize Cam Newton might, might not be a part of your team in the future. But, uh, you know, when I think about it from that aspect, you know, I almost want to change my answer. It's not as crazy. And, and you made a lot of good points. Look at what the Dolphins did a couple of weeks ago before the NFL slammed the door on the player visits to team facilities. They had um, uh, one of the running backs in. I can't remember which one. I think it was J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. He was in. They had Jordan Love in, I think, before they slammed the door. They tried to get Tua in before they slammed the door. It's entirely possible, and every team's going to deal with it differently. But if we're going to go into a draft with limited information, you're going to go safer. You're not going to take risks. And if you didn't get a chance to properly evaluate the most important position in the sport, you wait until next year. And maybe we see them trade some of those picks for more picks next year. They were going to put more of an emphasis on free agency. Maybe that's why they signed 10 guys last week. More of an emphasis on available veterans that we know about. Less of an emphasis on incoming players that we have no way of finding the information that we need in order to be the best possible selectors of talent that we can be. And, you know, you got 32 different teams. They're, they're going to be sort of like snowflakes in that regard where they all have a unique approach. The Dolphins may be saying, you know what? Let's go all in with the draft next year. This year, let's go all in with veterans because at least we know about these guys, and that could cause them to – I'm talking myself into Cam Newton no, to Miami my, Dolphins. My, I'm not going to lie. You've lawyered me into it a little bit too. The more we <laughs> talk about it, I sat here and gone, you know, there's some, there are some positives here. And you're right. With this weird year of the draft and the evaluation process, not getting to know guys, the uncertainties there. Yeah, like I said, if you're not in love with any of these guys – that might be a smart move. I wish I could change my answer. Uh, I'm not you that can. smart. It's not binding. But, but, but either way, I, I, uh, I, you've persuaded me a little bit to think differently about Miami and Cam Newton, for sure. All right. We got to take a break. We had one more on the list. It was the Cowboys, but that was, Mace, that was mainly kind no, of a stupid. troll thing. That's, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But, but that's the only other team that we could even conceive of as possibly being in the mix if they get frustrated with Dak Prescott and decide to go a different way. We're going to take a break. When we return, is the Bruce Arians offense a good fit for hashtag Tommy? We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Everyone present and accounted for. Let's get back to it. This is NBC Sports Radio. What? This offense over a long period of time with a lot of different quarterbacks have a lot of success. And um, it's a great offense for the quarterbacks, a great offense for the receivers, for the tight ends, for the running backs. There's been a lot of uh, great players who have been a part of um, you know, working with Coach Coach Arian, and um, you know, again, for me, it's 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 for me to come in and and understand the things I got to learn to be successful within what we're all trying to do, and you know what what uh, you know what we collectively do well. Tom Brady, his introductory press conference call yesterday. No press conferences happening because of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Talking about the Bruce Arians offense, and look. 
The Bruce Arians offense is founded largely on getting the ball down the field. No risk it, no biscuit. Quarterback takes a lot of hits. Quarterback throws a lot of interceptions. His first year with Tom, with Bruce Arians, traditionally, we saw it from Jameis Winston, saw it from Carson Palmer, saw it from Andrew Luck to a lesser extent, saw it from Peyton Manning when he was a rookie in 1998 and Arians was his quarterback's coach. Chris, what happens, though? Do we see the offense adapt to Brady or do we see Brady adapt to the offense? Well, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to see a little bit of both. I think Brady will probably have to do more of the adapting to the Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich offense more than anything. But they're absolutely crazy if they don't listen to Tom Brady and at least implement some of the plays uh, that he is so successful with in New England. You know, some of that short passing game where we've seen Julian Edelman and Wes Welker just torture defenses over the year. At, over the years, actually think it was something that's very much needed within that Arians offense as is. I, as you know, Mike, I'm scared about the no risk it, no biscuit effect with Brady in Tampa. You know, I, Brady doesn't want to risk it a whole lot when you watch him on film the last two years. You know, there, and that's my big complaint there. And as we know, Bruce wants you to stand there and take shots and get crushed and throw the ball 40 and 50 yards down the field. And I think Brady's been reluctant to do that. But if you add some of these other elements to the offense that Brady had in New England, you know, I think then it can make everything more effective and take pressure off Brady of not having to take that beating all the time. Here's what he said yesterday. Football to me is about throwing the ball to the guy that is open. If he's open deep, that's where you throw it. If he's open short, you throw it there. If he's open outside, you throw it there. If he's open inside, that's where you throw it. You get the ball to the guy who can do something with it. And we know that he's a master of going up to the line of scrimmage and identifying who's open before the snap. He's seen every defense. He knows every look. And even if the play calls for him to throw the ball down the field to Chris Godwin, if he sees that someone else is going to be open underneath immediately and he throws it and it works, what's Bruce Arians going to say? What's he going to say? He's not going to complain about it. So ultimately, it's going to be Brady walking up to the line of scrimmage and doing, Chris, what he thinks is right every given play. Well, yeah, there's no doubt. He's got a lot of experience that way. But we still know they want to throw the ball to the field, and he's going to have to do that. We'll be back at PFT right after this. Is there a way to play less commercials and have more sports talk? Yes, we're way ahead of you. Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio. Great moment. For those of you listening, not watching, Cam Newton responding to Clay Matthews then with the Packers trying to call out the play that the Panthers were running at the goal line. And Cam Newton says to him, you've been watching film, huh? Watch this. And he throws a touchdown pass, not on the wheel route that Clay Matthews was calling for. All right. We're drafting the most memorable Cam Newton moments during his nine seasons with the Carolina Panthers. Chris, I've got the trivia question for you, which will determine the first pick. Back in 2011, Cam Newton became the first rookie in league history to pass for 4,000 or more yards in a single season. Since then, two quarterbacks have joined him as rookies with 4,000 or more 
passing yards. Name them. Oh, man. I'm going to – oh, wow. Um, Name I'm, one. I'm, I'm going to say Carson Wentz, and I don't oh, – no, that's not it. I don't know. Go ahead. Give it to me. And I don't, Andrew totally Luck choked. and Andrew Luck and Jameis Winston. Oh, damn, I choked. I didn't even come to the Andrew Luck thought yet. I, that was uh, – how could I forget that? Jeez, okay. All right, hey, that once, the, once that once that red light goes on, everything changes. All right, I have a lot to choose from, and and I want to go positive here. Um, he made a throw during the 2015 season that resulted in Cam Newton being the league MVP. That was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. It was Week 14 against the Atlanta Falcons. The Panthers were up 21 nothing. They were going to win the game anyway. They were down near the goal line, and Cam Newton made a sidearm throw that somehow wrapped around the helmet of one Falcons player, grazed past the body of another, and was caught diving in the end zone by tight end Ed Dixon. And I remember at the time reacting to that like, holy crap, what in the world did he just do? And there it is. Full speed doesn't do it justice. You got to see the slow motion. There it is. Just barely misses the helmet. Goes over the arm of the defensive lineman who dropped into coverage. And Ed Dixon, which impressive to make the catch when you assume it's going to bounce off of two other guys. But that, to me, you know, forget about the running. Forget about the magnificent, spectacular, big 50-yard touchdown. That play, to me, is uh, the thing that was, I don't know, foreshadowing what was to come when Patrick Mahomes got to the NFL because we see it uh, often now. But back in 2015, it was rare, and Cam Newton was the one who pulled it off. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I mean, he's he's a rare talent. And, you know, just to that point in the play you're talking about there, I mean, a special arm. He's just such a big, strong man and a natural thrower that he can make throws in awkward positions. And you're right, there's a number throughout, especially his early days in the NFL, where he's on his back foot and he's launching 60-yard bombs right on the money. So I'm with you. That was one of the more impressive throws, uh, I, you know, of his career, certainly. All right, I think the first thing that I would pick here that jumps out to me more than anything that I'll remember Cam Newton for, you know, is his his post-touchdown celebration, all right? You know, the one, it's two parts here. One, the showing of the Superman, right? I mean, that's become, you know, what do I want to say? Uh, it, it's iconic. Iconic, exactly. Thank you for helping me there. For Cam Newton, and you know it's just him and what he's doing, but added to that, I think one of the coolest things I've seen here in, in recent history, the fact that he was giving ball, you know, the footballs to kids in the stands, right? That, to me, was one of the coolest things I've seen a player do over the last few years in the NFL. And you would see kids, anytime Cam Newton was playing, wearing number one jerseys right in the first row because they were like, man, Cam Newton's going to score a touchdown. And he's going to bring, if I'm wearing a jersey of his, he's going to bring a football over here and I might get it. And I just think that is, uh, you know, just shows the great person he is and, and not only just the player. Yeah, and that would have been my next pick. That was almost my first pick. And I do have that memory of him. He would go out of his way to make sure he took the ball over to the stands and give it to a kid every time. Not throw it, not flip it, not take any chance that some adult is going to grab it. Carry it over, hand it to the kid. He did it over and over and over again. And he needs to be commended for that now. 
we can't have all positive glowing moments because it's most memorable. And things can be memorable for good reasons. They can be memorable for bad reasons. And one of the first things I'm going to think of about Cam Newton playing in the biggest game of them all, Super Bowl 50, what happened with the game on the line? What happened when the ball hit the ground in the backfield? What happened when Cam Newton kind of double-clutched and froze up and didn't dive on the football and how he was criticized about that? And it echoed into his press conference performance where he got up and left. Now, I understand why he got up and left. They had a curtain with Chris Harris Jr. on the other side crowing about how they beat the Panthers who were favored to win. But that moment, it was so dissected and studied and watched the balls on the ground and what he he stopped and I don't know you know I still to this day don't know what he was thinking um we debuted this show on the simulcast the next morning and I remember being up till 2 a.m talking about writing about thinking about that moment I don't know if he didn't if he didn't want to get his legs broken I don't know what was going on there but the ball was there and he didn't jump on it with the season on the line that that has to be part of of his Panthers football obituary. Yeah, I, it, it does. You're right. It's on my list too, certainly. Yeah, I think he got caught in a tough spot. Listen, we're not going to sit here and go, oh, you know, he didn't jump on it because of lack of toughness. I mean, it's, it's arguably the toughest quarterback we've ever seen in football history. I mean, he's the only quarterback we've ever seen who can just be like, oh, Ray Lewis, you want to meet me head on in the hole? No problem. Bam, let's do it. I mean, that's what – but, yeah, I think he got stuck there where, oh, I'm going to dive on the ball. But he also soared DeMarcus Ware, and he wasn't sure how to dive on the ball and all those things. It wasn't a good look. You're right. I think he, I, was, he, was, trying to, he was trying to anticipate the ball bouncing back out and scoop it up so and too. run. There's that I one angle there. But, but regardless, regardless, we're going to have that moment seared into our memories of Cam Newton as a Panther. No, you're, you're right. And, you know, and, again, what I want to tell people with that, too, is, you know, I mean, Cam Newton's going to go down right now as, oh, he lost his only Super Bowl appearance. Hey, listen, the Carolina Panthers let him down in that Super Bowl. You know, he threw an interception over the middle of the field that went right off, right between the two, the receiver's two hands. He had a number of big drops from receiver that day. And, of course, Von Miller was the MVP because they couldn't protect Cam Newton. And Carolina tried to just play the game they wanted to play all year long. If Carolina decided in that Super Bowl, hey, let's just play to win this game, a la like what the New England Patriots do, if they played to just say, okay, to win it, we might have to go 16-10 to 10 to win it, they would have won that Super Bowl. But they tried to still be this, we're going to throw the ball down the field that all backfired. All right, I'm sorry, I'm blabbering. My second pick is going to be really the, the rookie year of Cam Newton, the first two weeks, but specifically week two against the Green Bay Packers. I mean, Cam Newton came into the league throwing – for 400 yards in his first two games as a rookie NFL quarterback. But the week two matchup against the Green Bay Packers, if anybody can remember back 2011, Packers were the Super Bowl champs. Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in football. And Cam Newton, yes, he threw for 400 yards. He threw for three interceptions and one touchdown. But I just remember watching that game going, oh my gosh, what planet is this guy from? Holy crap, how big is he? How fast is he? Some of the throws he made in that game with people on him, he was launching 70-yard bombs. And if you remember, Mike, after the game, like Aaron Rodgers like ran across the field to like go shake his hand and be like, you're amazing. And to me, that was the moment where I went, whoa, Cam Newton is special and has a chance to be special for a long, long time. Yeah, and, 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 and you know, it's easy to forget because – 
once he becomes established, you kind of forget how it happened. Like, was it immediate? Did he have to wait a while? It was immediate. It was right out of the gates. It was the Panthers got themselves a franchise quarterback from the moment he started playing. And I think as as other teams start to remember that, that may make them more inclined to try to pursue Cam Newton now that he's a free agent for the first time in his career. The last one for me, and this one is – it's it's personal because and I'm it's for me it's going to be memorable. Back when the draft happened in 2011, the year without free agency during the lockout, the only thing that really happened in the off season was the draft. I was walking down Sixth Avenue toward Radio City Music Hall back when they did the draft there every year, and they had a red carpet set up. It was one of the first years they did that. They were making it gradually a bigger and bigger event, and. I could see Cam Newton walking my way as I was approaching where they were doing the red carpet. And I see him coming, you know, and I was, I don't know, 50 feet away. And uh, I'm thinking, oh, they have a platform. They have a raised platform that they have these quarterbacks, you know, and the prospects walking on the red carpet. And then once he got past the end of the red carpet, there was no platform. The guy is a giant. I was scared. I may have peed a little. I was I was in awe. This guy is, and it's one of the reasons why I think he didn't get as many calls as he should have gotten during his career. He looks indestructible. He looks like Superman. He. I, it was amazing how big this guy is. You think you're big, Sims? I mean, you're probably the same height, but he's he's broad and he's huge and just and you don't. You don't pick that up watching him on TV the way you pick it up when you see him in person. And that was the first time I ever saw him in person. And I was just flat out amazed, Chris. No, it, it is amazing. When you see him, you're right. I mean, I, I think he's a little taller than me, but his shoulders are broad. I mean, he's got, you know, a thick chest, a thick neck, legs and butt. You know, I checked that out, everything about it. So, I mean, yeah, he's a special specimen. And, as I talk about with quarterbacks a lot of times, size is a skill. You know, that, that, at times we forget about that. And, you know, his size has let him do a lot of things that other quarterbacks can't do, whether that's throwing in the pocket or making runs. And that's where, you know, I was just – I'm going, like, with a general one here. Yeah, I, I don't have a specific play because there's a few of them. But mine was going to be more of, like, the Cam Newton goal line runs. I was going to pick the Clay Matthews play that we showed the start, you know, this little segment – but I don't want to pick that since we showed it already. To me, you know, the thing I'm always going to envision with Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers is, you know, I, I can't remember what year. Houston Texans game. They're on like the three-yard line. He runs up, gets flipped into the air for a touchdown. You know, I can remember against the Kansas City Chiefs, him running over somebody in the end zone. It's just those type of plays, let alone the highlight run plays that went for 60 and 70 yards. You know, you mentioned the size, but the size and the athleticism combination to me is really what makes the guy a special, special player. And that's why I hope he gets back healthy because he's fun to watch when he is 100% healthy. He's a game changer. And, you know, some of those plays, whether it was short yardage, goal line, or just scrambling and making big runs, you know, some of those runs are what I'll always remember Cam Newton by, just a, a special, special specimen. And there's that tension that I think existed in the Panthers organization regarding how much do we use him in that capacity? Because even though he looked like Superman, he he still was human and he got banged up, still is human, still alive. He got banged up. He had the shoulder problem. He's had ankle problems. He's had the foot problem. And uh, we saw him. Uh, remember, there was that the, the play at the goal line 
in week two and he didn't run and ultimately they explained, uh, you know, they were asking Ron Rivera, is the foot injured? Can he not push off? And they, they were still trying to downplay the foot injury. Yeah, he couldn't push off. It was the foot injury. But they, they were willing to throw caution to the wind with him physically, and he was too. And I think whoever signs him has to find a better balance, Chris. He's going to be 31 later this year. He needs to be more careful with his body. But when you're out there on the field and you see that he's physically dominant, it's tempting to let him just do what he can do and physically dominate. The problem is eventually he's going to get injured because we've seen it time and again. All right, we're going to take a break. The Panthers on the same day, they got rid of a quarterback, added a receiver. There was a mini run on available free agent receivers yesterday. We'll tell you everything that happened in that regard when PFT Live continues right after this. We know more about sports than the guys who play them. Here's proof. NBC Sports Radio is back. The market for receivers last week was slow. It picked up considerably on Tuesday. It started with Robbie Anderson, who many believed would be destined to re-sign with the Jets because no one had a chance to bring him in to get to know him because of some off-field issues. Well, how about his former college coach in Carolina, Matt Rule? Coached Robbie Anderson at Temple, made it easier to do a deal without having a chance to have a sit-down Robbie Anderson two-year, $20 million deal. And then that created an opening in New York. Brashad Perryman makes the jump from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to the Jets. One-year, $8 million deal with $6 million guaranteed. Travis Benjamin to the 49ers. He had previously been with the Chargers. Before that, the Browns. Devin Funchess to the Green Bay Packers after being traded from the Panthers to the Colts last year. And then Philip Dorsett, who had been traded from the Colts to the Patriots for Jacoby Brissett a couple of years ago, signs with the Seattle Seahawks. One day, five receivers, and those may be impactful moves once we get to football season, Chris. De- definitely. I mean, first off, I mean, you know, again, you're seeing guys with no injuries that are concerning getting signed, right? You know, I know Devin Funches had a clavicle injury, broke his collarbone, but that's not something where teams are going to go, oh, no, I don't know if that'll ever heal and I can't sign him. I think that's kind of an under-the-radar good signing by the Green Bay Packers. Big body, got pretty good speed. Aaron Rodgers is a great jump ball, back shoulder type thrower. So that'll fit. Robbie Anderson in Carolina. Hey, listen, yeah, there's some risk there. I'm sure the Jets had a number as far as what they were willing to pay him, and Robbie Anderson was asking for probably more than that. And they know some of the issues that come with Robbie Anderson. That rule, though, you know, he knows them, like you said. And I didn't realize this. I was I, I found out yesterday that Teddy Bridgewater and Robbie Anderson are very close. I don't know where that connection is, but had somebody in the league uh, that has knowledge of the situation tell me that, so it makes sense. And then, Mike, I sit here and go in Carolina and go, whoa, they have some sneaky good weapons here if they stay healthy for Teddy Bridgewater this year. I mean, DJ Moore is already in the conversation for one of the five best receivers in football. Curtis Samuel emerged last year. We know, you know, run CMC, Christian McCaffrey, you know, he's a weapon in the pass game run game. And now you add Robbie Anderson to the mix. You know, they're building something there right now where I, I look at it and go, ooh, that could be a dangerous little offense in Carolina this year. Be interesting to see how that does work. And I, I, I got a lot of faith in Teddy Bridgewater um, as a quarterback. We saw him go 5-0 and last year for the Saints. He was on the cusp of breaking out for the Vikings in 2016 when he had that 
devastating knee injury. But uh, look, they're moving forward. They've got Christian McCaffrey. They're going to have to pay him at some point. At some point, they're going to have to pay him. I don't think he's shown up for anything this year until he gets his contract. Of course, we don't know when there's going to be anything for him to show up for. So uh, it may be a while before that all comes to a head. What do you think about Philip Dorsett going to the Seahawks? You know, Russell Wilson has gone out of character this year. He's clamored publicly to make the team better. They've added Greg Olson at tight end. Now they have... Philip Dorsett to go along with DK Metcalf at receiver. How do you feel about Dorsett's addition? Yeah, I, I like it. You know, I think you now you just think about with the three guys they can put on the field, Dorsett, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett. You know, that's going to make it tough. And then we know Russell Wilson's one of the best deep ball throwers we've ever seen. He puts the ball on the money. And then his ability to scramble and do all that and buy time and then throw the ball in those instances down the field as well. You know, they're going to put a lot of pressure on you. We know they're kind of fixing their offensive line there. You know, I think they're going to still stay patient with the run game. But, yeah, putting Russell weapons around Russell Wilson, who's one of the three best quarterbacks in football right now, and Dorsett, where they're going to make you think, like, all right, who do you want to double team? Or do you want to play man-to-man against all three of these guys? Well, we're going to send somebody deep. And that's where I like the signing. It's going to put a lot of pressure on defenses facing them. May make it easier for them to get back to the running game, too. You know, they've been trying to find that successor to Marshawn Lynch who can pound it and pound it and pound it. If all of a sudden you've improved your passing game and you've got to account for these guys, you can't put eight, nine guys in the box, and maybe we're going to have more sustained running up the middle and maybe some more running from Russell Wilson when everything clears out underneath. So, look, the Seahawks have been a factor in the NFL continuously since 2012 when they got Russell Wilson and they've never really had a rebuilding. They had a reloading in 2018 and uh, they're a team to be taken very seriously. Look at how the Rams are disintegrating. The Seahawks look great, Chris. And and I think this only makes them better. No, I I agree, Mike. And I think you made the right point. I mean, we know, yeah, they want to run the ball and beat you up physically. They're not overly creative in the past game. They rely on their guys to get open and Russell make plays. And that's where, yeah, it can be really tough to defend them this next year. That's it for the program. We'll be back on Thursday. Everybody stay safe, stay indoors, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.